God and studied the Bible. That's the way it looks here in Virginia. We have snow coming down and it's been a rainy night and it's warm inside and I've got a good cup of coffee here handy and I hope you do too. I'd offer you one, but I think I'm a little too far away to be able to get it to you. But I want you to know that I want you to relax today and just enjoy the study of the Bible because it's fun and delightful thing to do. Uh, I know I enjoy doing it. We're going to go this morning once again, of course, to the book of Acts, which we've been having the privilege of studying. And we're going to look at the missionary journey of St. Paul. And this time he's probably his third missionary journey. And we're going to enter into a text that is very exciting and very curious. And at the same time, it's a supernatural text. So you're going to have to draw on your powers for that this morning a little bit. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read several verses of it and then make some comments on it and then move along. And then at the end, when we get through, I'll have some some concluding thoughts on it. So that that's the way we're going to do this. And we're working from the book of Acts, chapter 19, and we're starting at verse 11. And we're going to read now verse 11 and 12. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. So we're going to stop right there. Just take a minute to talk about this distribution of prayer clause, where God so anoints Paul that even handkerchiefs of cloth that had touched Paul's skin brings about healing when those same claws are placed on the sick. Now, having said that, this is can be considered in a supernatural way. It can also be considered in a very reasonable way in the sense that sometimes claws can pick up bad things. Uh, cloth can carry diseases. We, we know that. So that if then you must say, well, if a cloth can carry something bad like a disease, perhaps it can carry something good like a healing. And you say, well, how is that? Well, have you ever heard of a bandage? <laughs> a bandage, a medicinal bandage properly prepared can do miracles in a sense. But this, this is different. This is supernatural. This is the work of the Holy Spirit here. Now listen to me. These things exist. You can go online and you can buy you one. Whitehall United Methodist Church, uh, some time ago was selling them. If you got, if you went on that church prayer list, they would send you a prayer cloth in the mail with their name on the prayer cloth to let you know that they were praying for you. So that's not insignificant to consider that it's a working thing alive, running around in the world. But when I was a little boy, I used to lay in the bed late at night and listen to the radio. That was before the days of television. We didn't have any television. But we did, I did have a big old 
wooden radio set by my bed, had a little plastic dial on a little orange dial. I could listen to that radio and look into that dial and go anywhere in the world in my imagination. And I still can. Those of us who grew up in radio days are gifted with a, a very good imagination because we had to have it in order to produce the things the radio was talking about. But one of the things I used to hear night after night were pre- pre- preachers in West Virginia who were, their whole ministry was dependent upon you buying their prayer cloth. And they'd take a break and they'd say, now, brothers and sisters, if you will send me $5, I will send you this prayer cloth and it'll work miracles in your life. Well, maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But to a little boy lying in the bed, I used to think, my goodness, I like to have some of them prayer cloths. I really would. Well, if you wake up and think about it, this is a magical, wonderful, supernatural text. And then again, think of Jesus and the lady who touched the hem of his garment, a cloth garment. He touched it. Power flowed out of it into the woman and healed her. Well, there are countless examples of that in the Bible, particularly with the ministry of Jesus. But let's see what else is in here that that is supernatural in a sense. Let's let's return and go from verse uh, 13 on down here until we get through this story. We'll get through it down here around verse 17. It's about 13 through 17. I'm going to read it first and then talk about it a little bit. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them, which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We assure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped upon them, overcame them, prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks, also dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Well, there you have it. That's that's also a supernatural visitation that occurs in, in this in this gospel kind of a retelling of a story, the good news of what happens to you when you fall in with spiritual people. Um, this, again, is, is a supernatural event. You can take it that way or not. Some people aren't interested in supernatural stuff, by the way, and that's okay. I mean, you you got to give people room. Some people don't care about it. If you care deeply about supernatural ministry, then I would suggest you check on the an outfit called the Aldersgate Renewal Society. They meet out in Tennessee and have places all over the United States where they gather and and they teach on the subject of supernatural supernatural ministry. One of which is ministries of deliverance, where you are delivered from supernatural spiritual forces 
that may be directing your life, that is giving you problems. It doesn't have to be some kind of a demon like you see on uh, the exorcist in the movie, you know, or screaming and hollering. It doesn't have to be like that at all. It can be very subtle and very, very painful, yet existing in your heart. Now, when you do this kind of work uh, of talking about things of a theological nature, it's best to come at them with you, with scripture, with your tradition and your reason. You want to think. You don't want to go crazy over it. You want to think about it. And, and finally, you want to talk about your experience. Not too many people have had experiences with evil uh, spirits or like that. They did have it. And the average preacher doesn't want any either, by the way. It's all the same to you. Uh, I'll catch the bus out of town. This starts going around. They, they, they would say, you see. But I have had personal experience with all of these things. When I was a young man, um, I went to, uh, took a trip to the Holy Land. And on the way there, we had, of course, went on an aircraft. And it, it happened to be that the aircraft was full of preachers. I didn't know that. But they were all going on the same trip I was, basically, to, to Israel. And we got on that plane, and I felt fear crawl on me like I never had in my life. I, I just was scared. I, was, I didn't understand. I was afraid of everything, just fearful. And I, I got over in, uh, we got to where we were going in Jerusalem, and one night I, I just, I was just overcome with it. We were in a prayer meeting, and I just felt like I couldn't take it anymore. And I tried to leave the room. The door was unlocked. I mean, the door was locked. I couldn't open it. And then somebody came right behind me and opened the door and let me out. And that night, the, the, one of the evangelists on the team there who went with me said, I think you need to have some prayer over you. And he, I told him, I said, well, I don't know what it is, but I have a lot. Of, I'm, all of a sudden, I'm very fearful. And he said, well, let's, let's go into a private area, take two or three other fellows, and we'll sit down and we'll pray for you. And we did that. And they prayed for me. And at the moment they started to pray, I felt something spiritual, I don't, uh, supernatural rise up in me, look out of my eyes and look around the room and then suddenly went back through, back, back through my eyes into my body like a squirrel going into a knot on a tree, on a tree, just, just peep pop. And I think, what in the world was that? And one of the preachers said that, that is the presence of darkness in you, causing you to be afraid of everything. And he said, I'm going to pray that you be delivered from that. And they laid their hands on me and prayed, very simple prayer, very simple, that that I be no longer fearful and that this spirit of darkness leave me in the name of Jesus, they said, in the name of Jesus. When I heard that name, I felt that thing, whatever it was, begin to back out of me. And it felt like a lobster going the wrong way. This was coming right out, coming, and it came right out of me, and we're gone. we gone. No shouting, no nothing, no screaming and crying, nothing. Just gone. But I knew it was gone. And after that, after that, I was left with a gift, kind of like I, I've had a gift for boldness, almost ever since. I'm still, I still have fear, you know, different times, but I don't have that old creeping fear of religious things and of preachers and churches and. All that sort of thing. The Lord just took that away in a heartbeat. So it, that's my experience. That may not be yours, may not be somebody else's, but 
I thought I would share my experience with you so you would know, just just know that I'm coming from a place that I have tasted, that I know what it's like. Now, this Skeva had seven sons. They go off around the countryside, uh, traveling, exorcists sort of like. Ephesus was a great place for that. There was a lot of idols there and worship of a lot of gods. And when you have that sort of thing, it, it was loose in the, in the public. They go to this house where there is a, a, a real, real evil spirit residing in a man. And that happens sometimes. You, you, you run into the real thing. I mean, you can do this and, and not encounter the real thing, you know. But when you run into the real thing, oh man, it's, it, it, you know, it don't matter whether you're a Methodist or a Presbyterian or Episcopalian or whatever you are, everybody's going to run. <laughs> it's scared to death of it. And this man was like that and he, he broke in on, on him. And, uh, you know, this is, this is biblical stuff because you remember Jesus healed a man like that who was in a graveyard naked with bound up with chains. You remember and he used to howl, howling at nighttime. And Jesus goes to that place and goes right in there straight to him, you know, and prays for him. And this man comes running to him, falls on his knees. Same thing going on, but on a spiritual, supernatural level. Boy, that thing overcomes those seven sons, tears clothes off of them and chases them outside. Because they were thinking they could do this on their own. Just in the name of who Paul preached, we'll do the same thing. That is to say... In the name of who it is that Paul's preached, just Jesus, we cast you out. No, that don't work. It never works. It don't work for the church today either. I mean, if you, if you don't have any supernatural power, don't fool with this. Don't mess with it because it's, it's dangerous stuff. But we want to, we want to remember that Sceva was, uh, called himself one of the chief priests, but he was, he was a traveling chief priest. There was more than one of them. One of them in Jerusalem, but there was one they traveled, some others that traveled around. So this text tells you that the man leaped on them and he overcame them. I think there's some parallels to that. A, a, a weak faith, particularly in the church, church with a weak faith is prevailed against by society, beaten back, wounded. We know what a beaten church looks like now. I mean, we know that they can be overcome and lose all their members and just be a mess, naked and wounded. Uh, it's sad. Some places are sad because they will worship the, 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 the form of religion and, and deny the power of it. You've heard that in, in the Bible. Worship the form of religion but deny the power therein. In this case, here, you, you better have both, I think. Somebody say you ought to have one or the other, but I know. I think you need both. I think you know you need to know the form of your tradition. You need to know that. Know it good. Know it better than some. And you need to know about the power of it. You need to know the power of it. In my tradition, the power of it resided resided in his founder, old John Wesley, was just tough as, tough as nails and serious about supernatural ministry. So um, that's the that's the power of it. Power and form. Well, they they. Uh, they, they they used that incantation, and it, it did not work. 
and the man with the darkness in him said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who in the world are you coming in here? No, that don't work. And they took off. Headed for the hills. Fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Uh, it needs to be said that supernatural ministry will often draw a crowd. Often, often will. If you're interested in getting a big crowd together, get some supernatural ministry going, let some things happen to a few people, and the place will, will grow and rock. But at the same time, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult thing to build something on. That's all I'm saying. Because it's here and there, here today and gone tomorrow. Uh, when the charismatic movement began, that they were people who were devoted, many of them, to supernatural, powerful religion. The word charismatic means, charis means grace, matic means power, graceful power. The charismatic movement started in, in, in the high church on the west coast, Van Nuys, California, spread around in 1967. It was in, it, 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 it blew open in Duquesne University in Pittsburgh. They were on a religious retreat, some of the professors and students, and, and, and bang, hit them there. The, the Methodists went along after the key 73 and all that. That's when I came along. That's when a lot of Methodist preachers alive today, older ones, came along in the, in the birth of the charismatic movement, which was not d- defined as, uh, non-denominational church. No, it began in denominational churches, in particular high denominational churches. So you go, the devil was after that power, ran into that power and that form at the same time. So that's that's it. Now, if we go to verse 18, we're going to start reading here. And many that believed came and confessed, showed their deeds. Many of them also which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. All right, we know then, therefore, that the word of God is growing and it's prevailing out of being birthed out of this supernatural ministry. And, And they began to confess that they were misguided by some of the materials and things that they were fooling with and dealing with uh, and, and they brought their books together of uh, well the scrolls and so forth and they burned them all and it was worth a lot of money that they burned them and they confessed and they they, they changed their deeds, showed their deeds and, and were willing to change that's, that's the praxis of a thing is what you do with it and, and the confession is what you say and, and they were delivered from it and then Burn it up, scorned it, and burn it up. Now that's a supernatural ministry. You may not think so, but it is. Um, I served a church one time in which there were many beautiful uh, people from West Africa, serious Christians who had immigrated to the United States and wound up in church here where I was a pastor. Now they brought with them a supernatural Christianity, and they were good British Methodists. And they had expectations of me of a supernatural order. And I'll tell you, I, I remember this dear lady said, now, Reverend, I want you to come to my house next week on Tuesday because I, we're going to clean it. I want to cleanse it. And I want you to do the cleansing. 
of my house. And I said, well, I'm not sure what it is, but I'll figure it out. And she said, well, figure it out because I'll see you Tuesday. <laughs> well, I went to this African lady's home, and when I went in, uh, she had expectations that I would look at the things in her house, the pictures, the the, the, the furniture, the rugs, and so forth. And if I felt anything bad about that, what I saw, I was to tell her, and she was going to take it to the dump. It was just, just as simple as that. And so I started going around the house, and look, it's so funny. I think back on how simple I was, minded I was. I would look at something and say, I don't feel nothing about this. <laughs> I'd go to a coffee table, and that's all right. <laughs> She's walking right behind me with a trash can, you know. And I, I walked quietly into a, a, a into her living room, and I looked, and there was a television set. And I said to her, I, I don't see nothing wrong with that. And when I looked up, over the fireplace was a mask, an African mask that looked just like the devil. Had horns, big teeth, grit, big ugly face. That thing was as red as a mulberry, looking right down at me, saying, do you see anything wrong with me? <laughs> I said, and I said, you know, I said to this lady, I said, you know, miss, that ma'am, that thing on the wall there looks right nasty to me. <laughs> she said, all of a sudden, she said, oh, that belongs to my husband. She said, what am I going to tell him? And you see, I said, well, you can just, you can just tell him that the preacher had a funny feeling when he looked at that song. And she took that mask off, that thing like that, and jammed it right down in that trash, and away it went. Now, as far as I know, they made it all right because they kept coming to church. and it seemed like a happy couple to me. But that's a supernatural ministry where you get rid of stuff. You get rid of stuff that's harmful to you. And you'd, you'd be surprised what it might be. It might be something simple that you just have a bad feeling about. Uh, you need to get rid of it now. Let's look again as they grew. They see they were growing. It says in verse 20, mightily through the word of God. It grew up is what the Greek means there. They went from childhood religion to adult religion. They, they went, they went from, from form of religion to power of religion, of the faith. Verse 21, after these things were ended, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed from Macedonia and Acadia to go to Jerusalem saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he went into Macedonia, two of them that ministered unto him, Timorius and Erasmus. But he himself stayed in Asia for a season. And this closes the interesting text. We can see again that Paul is purposed in the spirit. He gets his, his notions of what he's going to do from God, which is always troubling to some people, concerning when you say, well, I'm going to let Jesus guide me here or guide me there. And people kind of look at you like, well, now, uh, I don't know what you, I don't know what you got on you, but don't get none of it on me if you're going to walk around. Fun. See, they accept the, the form, but not the power. So it tells you what Paul was going to do, how he was going to stay there a while. And so, it's a wonderful text, wonderful text, full of power, marvelous beauty, wonderful. A few little things to tell you.
Uh, these were not bad people. These sons of Sceva, they were not bad. Remember, I, what they were, well, they were just trying to be helpful. Most dangerous thing in the world sometimes. And, and the deepest hurt sometimes comes when you are rejected, when you are trying to be helpful. Somebody listening to me this morning might be hurting because all they did was try to be helpful. Sometimes that's all you got to do. And when you do that, you know, you can get hurt. I wanted to tell you that. If you're going to be helpful, be prepared. You're not a bad person either. Sons of Sceva weren't bad. They, they, they got whipped. But they learned from it. I believe they did. I don't know this would be a fact, but I believe they got stronger as time went on to learn from it. If you want an intellectual uh, to talk to you about this, I would suggest Oxford Don. His name is C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis. He did a lot of, he's dead now, but he did a lot of writing in the 20s and 30s, uh, 1920s and 30s, and he wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters. Get a hold of that book because it's, it's it talks about this supernatural thing here. And uh, it, it's good work. Uh, another thing I want to say to you, sometimes a, ba- a bonfire isn't a bad thing. Uh, they they took a bonfire and burned up that old stuff that they were was wearing them to death. Sometimes some things in life do need to go in the trash. Some things do need to be burned up. I don't know what it is for you, but I know that it may be uh, some things that are bugging you. You get rid of. Uh, maybe some something in your mind, something in your thoughts that disturbing you. You know, maybe maybe something intellectual bothers you. You know, you think about you think about Evolution is always a big topic, always has been. We don't know what to do with it. We don't even know hardly where it came from. You know, Charles Darwin was one of the most interesting men that ever lived. Charles Darwin had a bachelor's degree from Christ College, Cambridge. You know what his bachelor's degree was in? Theology. That's what it was. He was a trained theologian. He also studied medicine in Edinburgh in Scotland. Wonderful little man. Went around looking at God's created order and able and equipped to talk about it because what kind of degree did he have? Hmm? What did I say? Theology. Where did he go to school? Some, no, Christ College, Cambridge. Well, all I'm suggesting is there's two sides to this thing, supernatural and natural. <clears throat> Don't play games with God. That's in here too. Don't think you can. Because the man actually did have a demon in him. So the word came with power. And they walked out naked. You get beat up good and hard and you see two men fighting. A lot of times they'll wind up with no clothes on. Because they tear them off one another in the heat of the argument and, and the fighting of it. You want clothes, clothe yourself in Jesus. Every morning when you put on your clothes, think, well, I'm going to put on Jesus. At the same time. And I'm going to put on his helmet and his sword. Take his sword and shield and breastplate. And go into the world and maybe even deal with it in a supernatural way. I don't know. But that's up to you. And you know what? I'm out of time. And I'm glad.
because we had fun this morning. We sure did. And I do like that, that side of Christianity, which is got a little spookiness to it, a little salty flavor to it. Sometimes you get so bored and so drab that all you think about is what's natural in the natural world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're in good company this morning. You really are. Well, I'll see you next time. And I hope I, it's soon because I do enjoy being with you. Now you have a nice day, a real good day. Okay. All right. Bye bye. God's mercy so amazes me To every generation He gives the joy of His salvation Oh, God's mercy so amazes me As I watch the world around me I can see his mighty hand Delivering his people From the evil in this land The wounded and the broken From the seed of Abraham And led them through the wilderness Into the promised land in boundless love and mercy, He gave His only Son, who became the sacrifice for everyone. Oh, God's mercy, so amazing.